Sisters and brothers, the Lord be with you. This reading is from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the temple chief priests and elders of the people, Listen to another parable. There was this landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. When the vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants seized the servants. One they beat, another they killed, a third they stoned. Again, he sent other servants more numerous than the first ones, but they treated them the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, This one is the heir. Come, let's kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? They answered Jesus, He will put those wretched men to a wretched death and lease his vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the proper time. Jesus said to them, did you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the capstone? By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that will produce its fruit. Sisters and brothers, the Gospel of the Lord. Here at 1615 2nd Street, if, if we go a little bit to our south, we're on a big complex of buildings, the campus of the University of Arizona. If we go a little bit to the north, we're on another campus, a complex of lots of medical buildings. And if you don't know your way around either one of them, when you get there, you start looking for some signage, maybe one of those kiosks that says you are here. Okay, once you figure out where you are, you've had part of the problem solved, and then maybe you can be directed to the other place you want to go. I told you Google wanted my location to spell a word. Well, sometimes I want Mexican food. And I'll type into my phone, Mexican food near me. You know what happens next, don't you? Yeah, it says, may we know your location? Yes, this time you may. Yes, I allow. And then it, you know, it pings or it does whatever it does and sends out waves of stuff. And then it goes, oh, here's one right over here, just a, a short distance away. Perfect. Uh, what time is it? 11.23, she said, okay? Uh, so we've been in here 23 minutes. Has anyone 
left the room during that time. I mean, your body was here, but has anybody allowed your mind to wander off? I just mentioned Mexican food. Anybody thought about lunch? Anybody wondering about the score of the game? No? Um, what you're going to do in the afternoon? You know, we can, we, we're not necessarily where we are even when we are in a spot because we can do this wander thing. It's important to pay attention to where we are in the gospel story today. It's the 21st chapter of Matthew. But earlier in this same chapter, we had that scene that we reenact liturgically on Palm Sunday with the palms and the donkey and all of that. That's already happened in this gospel. That's already happened, and Jesus is now in the temple complex I'm used to thinking of that all happening in pretty fast order because I'm used to the liturgical way that we celebrate it. You know, on Palm Sunday that by Thursday we're at the Last Supper. <laughs> on Friday we're going to be at the foot of the cross. By next weekend we're going to be uh, on, on, at the empty tomb. But in this telling, the way that Matthew tells the story, Jesus enters into the city, but then he goes right to the temple complex and he stays there for five chapters teaching. That's where today's story begins, right? But those events are happening somewhere around the year 30. If Jesus was 33 years old at the time of his death, we keep track on our calendars from the year of the Lord, the birth of, of Jesus. Somewhere in the, around the early 30s is when the events are happening. But the version of the story that we're hearing in Matthew's gospel doesn't get in that form finally until about 85. So this, the version that we're reading is about 50 years old by this time. It's a story about past events. What's happened in the meanwhile? What's happened in the meanwhile? Well, for one thing, the calamitous Roman-Jewish war. There's another war in that part of the country again. But the one that happened in 67 was a revolt of the downtrodden Jewish people that were sick of being taxed to death by the Romans and just said, we're going to take this on our own hands and we're going to throw these people out of our land. The people that have conquered the whole world. But we're going to throw them out of our land. How'd that go? Not very well at all. The Romans put up with it for a short time and then they really lowered the boom. They brought in all of their military might. They stormed the place and completely obliterated the temple. So the temple that Jesus is preaching in, in the story, is no more. It's all blown up. It was magnificent when it was whole, but now it's nothing but rubble. It's nothing but a bunch of junk. The city of Jerusalem is really a donut. It's a ring. It's a walled city. But the, the main thing that was in the middle of it that gave it its importance is gone and the Romans depopulated the whole place, threw every Jew out and brought their own people in to live in it. It's ironic because the, many of the early years followers of Jesus were living in Jerusalem at that time, and then they were kicked out. They called themselves the diaspora from spores that had been thrown out, like a dandelion. The seeds go all over the place. They were forced out. But then they went all over the place, and that's part of the reason you and I 
know about Jesus at all is because the message got to us because somebody brought it to where we were. Well, so you've got these two different locations, the, this, the place where Jesus is speaking and the temple is still there, but then you've got the people who are writing this gospel who already know that the temple doesn't even exist anymore. It's nothing but a pile of rocks. And then Jesus speaks inside the story after he tells that story about a vineyard owner and, you know, all of that violence. At the end of it, he says, haven't you heard, haven't you read that scripture that says the stone which the builders rejected has become the capstone of the structure, the capstone. I'm going to invite you to turn and face the back of the chapel. Can you make the camera go back there? At the back, you see that big arch? This one is made out of bricks with mortar that are kind of gluing the, the, the stones together. But have you ever seen, you know, in the ancient world, they, they cut all the stones and they fit them together perfectly. And they didn't use any mortar. They just piled them, and when they wanted to make an arch like that, they'd get all the way to the top, and then they needed one wedge-shaped stone to jam in there to make the whole structure hold together. That's called the capstone. Okay? Thank you. This one doesn't have that, but that's what Jesus is talking about. He said, the stone that the builders rejected has become the capstone of the structure. Was there ever a moment, maybe in your childhood, were you ever in the garage, like in my memory, was with my dad, and he had saws going and hammering at something, and there were odd pieces of lumber on the floor, and I had a little hammer and some nails, and I started picking up the scraps and banging on them to make something? Did you ever do that? I remember my mom, when I was small, used to make her own clothes. I can remember being on the floor next to her sewing machine, picking up the scraps that I knew she didn't need for anything. But I looked at them and I'd, in my imagination, make them into something. Did you ever do that? You know, the stone that was rejected or the scrap. Jesus pretty much is telling us today, think of me as a scrap. If you want to know where I'm located, where should you look? On the scrap heap, because that's where I'll be. Now, let me ask you this. Is anybody currently on the scrap heap in this moment of your life? Anybody here in a down cycle where you feel broken, no. grieving something, maybe a health issue or some disappointment of some kind where you just feel like scrap? Well, then you don't have to imagine it because you're already there. But if you're not there right now, have you ever been? Were you ever rejected, passed over, told you'll never amount to anything, wounded, left on the scrap heap. Would you go there to grow in compassion? You have it in you already to identify with the world's wounded because you've been there. Maybe not currently, but if you wanted to, you could go there. And compassion just means to suffer with. That's where you'll find the Lord. I'm doing, I, I was for 25 years a campus minister, and I was two years at it before they put me in charge of the Newman Center. And then I did that for a long time, and I knew what to do. You know, any of you that have been in the same job for a while, <laughs> if you're any good at it, you know what you're doing. 
But there came a point where it was just time for me to do something else. And for most of the last seven years, I've been doing things I've never done before. And there are times when I say to the Lord, I don't know what to do next. I'm looking for direction. I want one of those kiosks that says you are here. And that's the way to go to where you want to get. Sometimes I forget to ask, though. I just get in the heat of the moment and I think, I know what I'll do. I'll do. Boom. And I'm on my way. And then I'm halfway there and think, did I even ask you? Did I, did, did I ask you if this is what you wanted me to do, if this is what you're recommending? I do want to follow you after all, not have you trailing along behind me. We do want to be close to Jesus, do we not? Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> I didn't mean to pull it out of you, but I think we want that. Don't you know that, that the Lord knows where you're located? You know those scriptures about every hair on your head has been counted? I know everything about you, and I love you anyway. I know your worst moments, and I still love you. You belong to me, and I belong to you. You might be at some moment where you feel like, I used to be good at something, or I used to fit like those stones that are uniform and make a great wall, or they climb like that arch. Or maybe you're too young and you're still trying to figure out who you are and so you discount yourself. Well, I'm, don't look at me, I'm just a student. Or, don't look at me, I'm too old. You know, <laughs> I've been through, yeah, I'm getting an amen right here from the cameraman. Or I've been through cancer or my beloved has died or whatever. There's all kinds of reasons to, to be able to say I opt out because I'm not up to the time, not what you need. Except... What happens when you get to the top of the arch and everything is going great and now you need this one thing. You need this one misshapen piece of stone that wasn't good for anything else except wedging into this one spot. What if you're that? Could you say, could you say to the Lord, I don't know what I'm good for, but I know that you created the whole universe out of nothing. And if I feel like nothing... You could work with me if you want. You could wedge me in somewhere. There might be just the exact right spot for me to be where compassion would lead me. There might be somebody that needs exactly what I have to offer, even though it looks like next to nothing. It looks like a piece of rubbish on the floor or on the floor of the garage. But remember, when we go to the table here in just a bit, right before we ask the Lord to come, the Holy Spirit to uh, come upon these gifts and make them become the body and blood of the Lord that nourishes us. Right before that, we say, on the night he was betrayed, when he was a reject, when he was thrown to the junk heap, even by the ones closest to him who were in a hurry to say, I've never even seen him. I don't know that guy's name. He knows what that feels like to be the stone the builders rejected and the one rejected even by those closest to him who had a bad day. They really loved him, but they just weren't up to the task of what Good Friday brought. He knows exactly what that feels like. And if you join your life to his and say, whatever you want, boss, I, I love to call him that. He doesn't like it when I do. But most of my paychecks for most of my life have come from a church. I love to go to him and say, I don't know what you want to do with me next, but I trust you to be creative. 
I trust you to be like that little kid on the garage floor that could take some scraps and turn it into something or beneath the sewing machine looking at, at that bit of fabric. And I know that you could use your creativity and, and make me into something. But it's not just about me. It's about the person who needs the gift that I have that doesn't look like much that in your hands could make all the difference.